Hey, welcome to another Pastor Duke podcast. Thank you for tuning me in. I pray that God will use me to strengthen you, to challenge you, to lift you up, to instruct you, to help you win your battles because you are in a battle. I think you already knew that. So today my thoughts are about this. When you hit the bottom, what you going to do? I've learned in my 51-year journey with Jesus, there are no shortcuts. I've learned God does not put his finest people in the easiest of places. I've learned the strongest and wisest people were forged in the fires of trials. My favorite Bible character is David. Maybe you haven't heard my David series, just scan down through my list of podcasts. I do David as David in first person. David tells a story. I think it'll be a blessing to you, but he's number one for me. He's a passionate man who defeated the giant Goliath as a teenager, but fell to the giant of lust when he was king. Yet, In the end, he was called a man after God's own heart. David will be our biblical example. We'll see what he did when he hit the bottom. When he got knocked out of the saddle, how did he get back in? It's a critical lesson for all believers if we're to finish well and hear those sacred words from Jesus himself, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We see David, uh, the youngest of seven boys, a lowly shepherd, not a job a lot of people were uh, filling out applications for, kind of started out on the bottom. But he had a huge heart for God. He wanted to know God in a deeper way. I'll tell you what, that is a fantastic motivation for all of us. Out of nowhere, Samuel, Prophet Samuel, shows up at his house and anoints David as a teenager to be the next king of Israel. He enters into a season of blessing. King Saul was declining, and on his way down, all the while, uh, David was growing, and God has his hand on him, and he's on his way up. David's anointing put him in grave danger with mentally unstable Saul. His anointing had to be kept on the down low in secrecy. If Saul finds it out, David's dead meat. And so there's a lot of drama going on backstage, even though outwardly uh, things begin to move. But God had begun to move David's life, and uh, his music and composing skills are found out. Saul is seeking someone to come in and play music to comfort him as his uh, mental anguish and his backslidden condition. He, he, He was a mess. He needed some musical help. And lo and behold, probably wasn't a kawinky dinky. David becomes his personal musician. David quickly... uh, Uh, wins Saul's heart, and Saul promotes him uh, to be his personal armor bearer in addition to his chief musician. We might say it this way. It was God game on for David and kind of lights beginning to go out for Saul. Soon the next event uh, came for David. 
down goes Goliath while the nation watches. He goes from obscurity to fabulous uh, awareness. The whole nation knows him. The whole nation loves him. David is now a national hero and, again, promoted to be a military commander. He hooks hearts with King Saul's son, Jonathan, who also was a national hero. Jonathan knows his dad is a mess, and he knows God is lifting up David to be the next king. He's okay with that. He has no jealousy. He wants only God's glory. Soon, David marries Saul's daughter, Michael. It's been about six to seven good years now. Everything he has touched is sort of turned into gold. Many other military victories were won under David's leadership, and that's when his world began to cave in. The rug was pulled out from beneath David, and he has no idea why. It was of no fault of his own. You see, God does allow bad things to come into the lives of his best people, but hold on to this. He always has a good reason. All things will work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are called according to his purpose. Well, returning home from a great victory, a new song hit the top of the Israeli charts. Here's some of the lyrics. Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his tens of thousands. And that's when Saul's insecurity boiled over into rage and for the next seven years would devote his life to killing David and holding on to his own throne. David is forced into exile and becomes a wandering vagabond upon the backside of the Judean wilderness. During these horrific seven years of trial, here's a list of what David lost. And it was the very king that David had devoted his life to serve and to save, if you please, that dealt all these unfathomable injustices to him. Number one, David loses his job. David's name is smeared in the Jewish media. David is driven from and loses his house, his home. David is separated from his family. David is proclaimed a political criminal. He is driven from encampment to encampment in the wilderness. He is forced out of his own country to live among the Philistines. His wife, Michael, is given to another man, and she goes along with it. She could have escaped it with David into the wilderness, but chose not to. His spiritual mentor, Samuel, dies during these seven years, and David cannot even go to the funeral. David lives through many near-death experiences with Saul breathing down his neck. Yet, he makes the best of circumstances and attracts a band of faithful brothers to carry out protective raids for the Jewish people even while he is in exile. That's what he had been doing before he was in exile. He does the next right thing no matter what. He's not serving Saul. He's serving God. Remember that. That will carry you through dark moments. 
he chooses to build up other hurting men all the while others are trying to tear him down. He lands his team at Ziklag uh, in the Philistine region while the uh, Philistines reject his offer to help them in battle. During that time, Ziklag is destroyed and all the wives and all the kids are taken captives by the Amalekites. All seems lost, and his team spoke of stoning him to death. David, you're such a loser. We should have believed what King Saul says about you. They are with him at the bottom. So you think you got problems? David had more. Yet, God had David right where he wanted him. Peter wrote, Think it not strange concerning the fire trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing had happened unto you. God has a purpose in everything. So, in a major way, David is broken and on the bottom. And one of my favorite verses in all the scriptures emerges, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, it says this, But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Let that sink in. This is our focus in today's podcast. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. How did he do that? You know, everybody hits bottom somewhere along the way, and a lot of people never make it out uh, in a good way. So it is part of the journey to bottom out along the way and be tested. I see from David, number one, to this point, he has lived a life committed unto the Lord. He had systematically and studied his way into a biblical worldview. That's a foundation laid for victory. He has learned not to view God through circumstances, but to view circumstances through God. I need to say that again. He has learned not to view God through circumstances, but view circumstances through God. That's huge. That will make all the difference in the world in the midnight hour. Number two, be sure the devil will not back off when you are getting hit from all sides. David has learned not to follow his feelings, not to have a pity parter. He has learned to deny his emotions and lean in deeper to faith. I have no clue to what is happening. I have no clue why, saith David, but I choose to worship and not blame the God who does know what is going on and why. I resolve to do the next right thing no matter what. Number three, from the text, it says David encouraged himself in the Lord. Himself, he is not leaning on any person. God had kind of systematically taken all those people away. Jonathan's not available. Samuel's dead. His wife's within the arms of another man. But he gets eyes off people, eyes on God. It's easy to say that, but it's important. Eyes off people, eyes on God. No matter, uh, no mentor, no friends available, just me and God. God alone is enough to make it through. I got to say that again. God alone is enough to make it through. It's God who will deliver him. God makes no mistakes. 
God is always good, even when the circumstances are not good. God has a good purpose in allowing me to be in this place. I'm not blaming these guys who are turning on me. They too are hurting just like myself. They need a leader. They don't need a baby. They need me to step it up, gird up the loins of my mind. You've called me uh, to set an example, oh God, for these men. They need me to step up. Number four, from the text, he encouraged himself in the Lord his God, his God. David had a personal relationship with God. It wasn't a religion. It was not a creed. It was a personal commitment to God, up close and personable. When he faced off uh, with the bear, God was with him. When he faced off with a lion as a shepherd, God was close when David put that round stone in his sling with Goliath breathing down his neck. God wasn't just the God of his father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's my God. He's not the I was God. He is the I am God. I am his and he is mine. No one can be sure, but I believe David wrote, Psalm 143 here at the bottom at Ziglag. Listen to this psalm and see if you agree with me. Verse 1, Psalm 143, 1. Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to my supplications. Supplications are intense prayers. If I prayed a prayer of supplication on this podcast, you'd think I freaked out. I would blow out the uh, the sound system. He's crying out. This is painful. This ain't fun. Screaming out to the Lord in supplication, in my faithfulness, answer me, and in my righteousness. David had been doing a, a good walk, and enter not into judgment with my servant, uh, with thy servant. For in thy sight shall no man living be justified. For the enemy hath persecuted my soul; he hath smitten my life down to the ground; he hath made me to dwell in darkness as those who have been long dead. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. I think he's at Ziklag. And he's going to give us the remedy here, (laughs) how he made it through. Uh, Verse 5, he's at the bottom now, man. He's broken. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse, I meditate on, I focus on the works of your hands. I stretch forth my hands unto ye unto you. My soul thirsteth after you as a thirsty land. Hear me speedily. Listen, O oh Lord, my spirit with uh, faileth. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like them that go down unto the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto you to hide me. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for your namesake. Oh, the right motive, for your namesake. Not just for my comfort, not for my glory, but for your namesake, for your righteousness' sake. Bring my soul out of trouble and of thy mercy cut off mine enemies and destroy all them and afflict uh, that afflict my soul, for I am 
your servant. Man, what a psalm. He's on the bottom. He's broken, and look what is happening. God is not fleeing him. God is drawing close. So I see number four from this text, Psalm 143. We see the disciplined focus of his mind, lest his emotions bury him. He said, I remember the days of old. He knew biblical history. He knew the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph. They, too, were in seemingly uh, impossible circumstances, but every time it worked out for their good. He relived the Abraham story on Mount Moriah where he was willing to offer his only son, Isaac, and at the last second, Jehovah Jireh, they find the ram uh, caught by its horns in the thicket. And, and God provided the sacrifice. Having God's word in your heart will pay off big time in the midnight hour. When despair is ready to destroy you, understanding what you know God did in the past will deliver you in the present. He remembers his own journey. The visit from Samuel anoints him to be the king. He's not king yet. So it just is a biblical promise from God. You're going to make it through. He connected those dots. I'm not king yet, but I'm going to be. He's going to get me out of here somehow. I don't know, but I know he will. He knows somehow, some way, this is all going to work out. He's had other giants fall before him along the way, and this would just be another giant going down. God has not been weakened. He's still big. He's still good. He still loves me. Number five from the text in Psalm 143, he said, I meditate on all thy works. He sees the sun setting in the western sky. He sees the stars still twinkling in their eternal sockets. He hears the cries of the nighttime birds. He sees the sun rise one more time in the east. He sees the rocks still in their places, and the shoreline has not moved an inch. The omnipotence of God overwhelms the man-made heartaches in his face. I want to say that again. The omnipotence of God overwhelms the man-made heartaches in his face. The omniscience, the all-knowing of God, overtakes his doubts. The omnipresence of the Lord comforts and revives his heart. What do we see happening here? Faith is his victory. Faith is driving out the fear. Faith is driving away the despair. Faith is building his heart back up. It's getting him back in the saddle. From the text, he said, I muse on the works of your hands. He chooses to focus on the immutable, unchangeable works of God. He does not let his mind or emotions deliver him over to despair and self-pity, a disciplined mind. He said, I stretch forth my hands unto you. I'm not looking back. I'm looking forward. I'm not looking down. I'm looking up. I... I'm not fighting for victory. I'm fighting from victory. The lion victory, the bear victory, 
the giant going down victory. It wasn't me. It was you, Lord. You haven't changed. You're still big. You're on the throne. I trusted you then. I'm trusting you now. Lord, you are my fix in this situation. They're not my problems. They're yours. I choose to give them to you. Tell me what you want me to do, and I'm on it. Back now in 1 Samuel chapter 30 again, he asked God, do you want us to go after the Amalekites? God said, yes. And within 72 hours, the Amalekites are defeated. Not one wife, not one child was lost or even hurt. Plus, they got all their stuff back and all the spoils from the Amalekites. (laughs) It was a good day financially. His men's confidence in him soared to a whole new record. Word comes that King Saul, this is bad news, but it fits into the big picture. Saul had fallen uh, in battle to the Philistines, and unfortunately his son Jonathan and two other sons of Saul as well, they're dead. They had fallen in battle. And the elders of Judah sought and found David in the wilderness and pronounced David king over Judah. That all happened in less than 72 hours. Hallelujah. What a Savior. When God says it's time, look out, Charlie, God can and often does turn things on a dime. Joseph was in Egyptian prison, forsaken by his own brothers, falsely accused of attempted rape by Potiphar's wife, and forgotten in prison. Pharaoh has a dream. Joseph wakes up in prison, and by lunchtime, he is prime minister of Egypt. Never forget that. That's our God. God can turn things on a dime. It wasn't the blessings and comforts of David's life that molded him into Israel's greatest king of all time. It was the pain, it was the problems, it was the trials that forged him into a man of steel and yet all the while still had a tender heart towards God and people. In my personal journey, in my darkest hours, I've drawn strength from David. I've walked through each of these steps I've shared with you today many, many times when it seemed like the sun was refusing to shine. It worked for him, and it has worked for me. In my distress, I go through this uh, psalm, I go through this story of David, and then I get out a sheet of paper I get alone with God, number one. Then I get out a sheet of paper. On the left-hand column, I write down what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. And then next to that, I write out God's promise. You know, it turns out 99% of my feelings are big, fat lies from the devil. In the right-hand column, I see the, the promises from God, and uh, they correct my, my ego, evil thinking. And then I systematically go back to that left column, what I'm feeling, and I write over top of it, lie, lie, lie. I choose to believe God's promises over the lies that I'm so easily holding on to. And so God gave our emotions to be our servants and not to be our masters. I need to say that again. 
God gave our emotions to be our servants and not our masters. This is exactly what Jesus was talking about when he said, you got to learn to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. We must never excuse ourselves. We must never blame God, must never blame others. We must always step up to personal responsibility. That's what the verse means in the King James Version when it says, quit ye like men, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil is a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. The problem isn't coming from the outside from people. The problem is going to be resolved from the inside because we choose to look to God who is our victor. This problem is my opportunity to grow to be an overcomer, to depart the natural world in which we live and my own strength and my own wisdom, which is so so limited, and enter into that supernatural life, that, that Jesus life. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us and gave himself uh, for us. David had 600 men watching him in that critical moment. And out of that band of brothers emerged all of his mighty men, which he listed in in the end. That group of his mighty men, the Holy Spirit chose to write that list down twice in Scripture, one in 1 Samuel, once in the Chronicles. Uh, Faith became their victory. They saw it in David. If God could do it for David, he knew he could do it in their lives. And David's victory at Ziklag incited many victories for them in, their, in the many years to follow. Why complain about the problem? Rejoice in the opportunity. You've got a chance to grow in grace. Take hold of responsibility. The reward is worth the suffering. There's glory some sweet day. Praise God for the problems in our way. Hey, folks, thanks for tuning in again today. Appreciate if you would subscribe and like, share, uh, If this is a blessing to you, share it with your friends. Help my podcast numbers to continue to grow. And I appreciate that a lot. I pray God will anoint uh, your ears and anoint my voice and uh, let his word become alive to you. So hope it was a blessing. Thanks for tuning in. Love you always. And uh, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I'm ready to go. I think you are too. Bye-bye for now.